Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Really dumb. Wow, well, good evening. I'm Tom Pickup, and tonight we are celebrating the 60th anniversary of James Bond by running through our experiences of watching all 25 films at the cinema these last six months. Now, don't know whether any of us have watched them all at the cinema. I think maybe Sam has, but between us, at least one of us has seen each one. So it's going to be very interesting finding out what we all thought of them. A lot of them, of course, especially the early ones, none of us have seen at the cinema before. So it's been quite an experience. Now, if you're new to us, you can listen to the Really 007 podcast on iTunes and Spotify. And we've also got our YouTube channel where we've got videos, we've got interviews and various features. I think many of you here tonight might have found us on social media. So we're on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Please join in if you're new to us with the daily musings of the Bond world. And a lot of these people here tonight are great on Twitter and social media, Instagram, Facebook. They're very funny and they're very friendly and they'd love to chat Bond, basically, I think. Tonight, we are overflowing with guests. They're going to give us their experiences and watching Bond on the big screen, as well as, I think, discussing the franchise in general. I admire your luck, Mr... Bond. James Bond. Do you expect me to talk? No, Mr Bond, I expect you to die. Not everybody needs a hobby. So what's yours? Resurrection. Look after Mr. Bond. See that some harm comes to him. You have a nasty habit of surviving. Welcome, Martin. Shaken and stirred. 
them. To us, Mr. Bond, we are the best. I need you back. I never left. Right, let's begin. I will address first Mr. Sam Rogers because Sam has he, Sam has been to everyone, I think. And we, we've got to start with Sam, haven't we? Yes, I was very lucky to see every single one. Shocked that I was able to, did not think I was going to. But no, what what a treat to um be able to see all of them. I mean, being of a certain age where you know, I was born the year GoldenEye came out, so I wasn't able to see a lot of the films uh, pre-Craig, actually. So to be able to go back and see, especially the 60s and 70s films, was a real highlight for me. And I know I saw many of the films with with Tom and, and some of the really 007 guys. So it's, and I've, I've said this in the No Time to Die episode that was recently released, it's just been really gratifying to be able to kind of appreciate every film, even if I don't love it to be able to just kind of see it from a new perspective or just see it in the sense of we're now complete last year we were like oh we just want no time to to come out we're watching these films kind of in anticipation now it's kind of like we've, we've we're seeing them all and we're just seeing how each bond has performed how each story has progressed how this franchise has progressed now we're at a point where i really feel like we're at the end where one book has closed and a brand new one's about to be opened and for me that's the most exciting thing so to just be able to look back now and just kind of see um, what's happened has just been a joy. Well, it's been a joy to watch them with you. And I feel bad because obviously when I sort of had the idea of doing this, I just thought, oh, well, Doctor Knows on this Saturday, let's watch it and then we can talk about it afterwards. It sort of built up to the point where more and more were joining us and most of you guys are here tonight with us. But Sam was, what was the first one we watched with you? Was it Thunderball? It may have been. I th- I think it was, yeah, yeah. So I saw Doctor Know through Gold. Goldfinger on my own said because Tom Tom's not too far away in in Bury from me, so it was about half an hour tram to get there, and so it was just like okay, when we when we're available, we can do. And so it was me going to Bury or all of us meeting at Trafford Centre, and um, so we did that quite a few times. So I think at least half of them, or a, a little over half, I I saw with at least one member of the team. So. It was nice to do that, even if, because it's great to watch them on your own as well, to just kind of like have that experience, but to be able to watch these films in a cinema with with people that you're friends with and to kind of appreciate the experience. And, you know, I feel like you laugh more, you feel more emotion when you're with other people rather than just sat isolated on your own. I think that's that's been another great thing about this as well. And of course, you know, you know, I was able to go to Skyfall again this past week at the BFI IMAX in London. And that's the biggest screen in Europe. And so to be able to see that there was another great thing. And so it's just, you know, something where I think I mentioned, uh, I've, I, I'm writing at the moment that there's 10 years ago, I never would have thought, oh yeah, we can old films back in cinemas. That just doesn't happen. I think it happened a lot less, but I felt like there's so many times where I see, oh, it's the 40th anniversary of The Thing, or oh, it's the 20th anniversary of Harry Potter. And I think 
that's such a good way to get audiences in and to kind of get people loving the cinema. I know there's a bit of uncertainty at the moment with, you know, streaming services and and how we as audiences take in media but i think there's such an appetite to actually go and get a cinematic experience and these films were made for the cinema so to actually get that true sense of what of how i was supposed to watch that film how i was supposed to watch goldfinger how i was supposed to watch for your eyes only you know it's it's just wonderful and i think just sharing this experience not just with you guys but with everyone else who is here who has been on episodes and to get all those different opinions because they're not all the same it's just it's it's just inside you know exciting and interesting it's been so good to sort of bounce off each other before and after when because obviously we just record in the cinema lobby usually it's been great to get in to know you some you know i remember we had a nice meal you me and rob rob parker before. <laughs> <laughs> was that it was all fun and giggles and then we watched on a majesty secret service so it was quite you know it's quite a serious one to sort of have a few pints before on, but I know Robert Redfern, you're in the air and you, you might have been some of the screenings when we've been there, but it just hasn't happened. I'm really sorry about that, Rob. No, it's fine. I mean, there was thought I was going to go to the Trafford Centre, but I'm literally five minutes from that cinema in the centre of Manchester, the Odeon, you know, the Deansgate one, which isn't, you know, it needs doing up a little bit, that place, I must admit. So it was kind of like, Oh, I prefer to go to Trafford Centre, but then I have to get home after it and uh, have to go straight for work and kind of get there. So uh, I think we kind of nearly nearly did it a few times didn't we and uh but there, you know there'll be a you know i think we'll have meetups and chats and stuff about bond you know and because we're so near each other i'm just in swinton so uh just outside manchester so uh i'm sure there'll be some bond meetups coming up so yeah but i, I went to all of them as well yeah oh right oh well there you go yeah you credit yeah. there Rob. Super. Yeah. he's getting a round of applause by all the guests here as well quite right <laughs> <laughs> I just about managed. I mean, there was a holiday when I went to Venice a few weeks ago, so it was quite near, I think, Quantum of Solace. But because it was on on the Tuesday and I got back at the weekend, I just had that opportunity to uh, just take them all in. Yeah, oh, wonderful. Fantastic. Has anyone else, who, has anybody else been to all of them while I've... Oh, my word. I can't believe it. This is brilliant. I've seen Trevor Baxendale's name so many times, and Trevor, you've been so positive about all of the films, and that's what I've loved about your, your sort of Twitter posts when you've watched them. Yes, even Dying of the Day. Yes, even No Time to Die. So, so Trevor, thank you for contributing, and you've been on nearly every episode. Yeah, what's it been like for you? What What was the first one you saw back in the day at the cinema when you were growing up? First Bond film at cinema was uh, Spy Who Loved Me, 77. Oh, yeah. So, and everything from then on. So my original intention with these re-releases was just to go and see the ones that I hadn't seen at the pictures. So everything from... Dr. No to Man with the Golden Gun. That's what I told Mrs. Baxendale. Once it got to Man with the Golden Gun, I thought, well, Spy Who Loved Me next. You know, the first one I ever saw at the cinema. I can't not go and see that. So I went and saw that. Then Moonraker. Well, you can't not see Moonraker on the big <laughs> screen, can you? So I went and saw that one. And then, well, look, it'd be rude not to finish Roger Moore's era on the big screen. So carried on watching those with living daylights in Dalton I got in touch with my oldest friend and my best man and we've been like big Bond buddies in the past uh we sort of became friends over James Bond and particularly the the, the Dalton films back in the day so I said look do you fancy coming and seeing this on the big screen for old time's sake and he agreed and he was just going to see the Dalton two Dalton films with me and he ended up staying for the rest of the duration right through until no time to die last week and it's been an absolute, an absolute pleasure, not only seeing the films that I've never seen at the uh, at the pictures before, but just to get 
the whole run of them, 25 each week, regular as clockwork. It's become, you know, quite a thing. And to be honest, I sort of miss it. I feel like I've got a void in my life in my week now. Absolutely. What am I going to do on the Tuesday nights? Positivity. Do you know what? Genuinely, I've loved every single one of them. Well, I've loved 24 of them and liked one of them. Uh, I've, I've still got issues with No Time to Die. Okay, okay. But you were st- you're still very positive in your review this week. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I do try to find the, the positives. I take the positives out of out of all the films that I've seen because that's what I want to do because there's plenty to celebrate. And there's loads of positives in No Time to Die. I'm not, I'm not going to lie, you know. It, it, there are parts of it which I think are some of the best things ever. I think a lot of us will agree with you there. You mentioned the first one you went to is The Spy Love Me. I'm going to chat to Bob now, Bob Foster, because Bob's seen most of them and he went to the Spy Love Man on his own and he, he something didn't happen. You didn't it said it wasn't quite didn't quite make the mark. <laughs> I could not believe that. I mean I've always liked Spy Love Me. I don't think it was a particularly good copy uh, that they showed. I'm, I'm I'm really convinced that the Odeon at Derby didn't show the 4K. Some of them have been really good. But this one in particular which didn't look particularly good and it was compounded by the fact that it was the first one I saw on my own because I'd been going to see it with John Kieran and and Chris Johnson or, or a combination with either all four of us gone three of us gone two of us gone this was the only one that I saw on my own apart from strangely enough from No Time to Die and I thoroughly enjoyed it so mm. I don't know what it was with Spy Love Me I really don't <laughs> Um, the, the, what surprised me with No Time to Die was when it got to the end, I've seen it probably five times at the cinema now, I and mean, I've got it on Blu-ray, and I've had a complete range of feelings right at the very end with the last, well, the, 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 where he dies. When we saw it at the Odeon Leicester Square, I was sitting next to an American friend and we were both, me and Kieran was the other side, we were both, we'd all got tears in our eyes, tears streaming down our eyes. Oh. When I saw it again, I was mad because I knew what was coming. This time, when I saw it last week, I was it was as I was at peace with it and I quite enjoyed it all the way through. But yeah, it, it really had a profound effect seeing Tommy own this guy who loved me. And uh, that was, oh, there was a man with a golden gun I saw first, originally. Oh yeah, of course, yeah. Was that yeah, the first yeah. one you saw at the cinema then, Bob? Back in the day? Was that yeah, the first one you saw back in the day? Yeah, man with a golden yeah, gun. Yeah, man with a golden gun. And, and at the times, they used to show the films in the loop. So I, I walked in as it was Scaramanga at High Fat, where he kills High Fat. <sighs> puts his gun together and then kills him. So I then watched it from there to the end and then sat through the adverts and then watched it all the way through again. Let me come in there, uh, let me come in there, Bob. Please do, Steve. Just (laughs) because The Spy Loved Me, which I I, I would love to have gone to every Bond film. And if it wasn't for the fact that my cinema was only showing them on Sundays and uh, I have childcare, big childcare issues on a Sunday evening, uh, I would have gone through every single one. Um, but unfortunately, it was limited to just a handful. And the first one I got to was The Spy Love Me, uh, which was a bit gutting because I would have loved to have seen On a Majesty's Secret Service on the big yeah. screen. And uh, and to be honest, the first uh, four Conneries I'd love to have seen on the big screen. But um, I, I've always loved The Spy Love Me. I, I think it's Roger Moore's best Bond film. It's not always my favourite Roger Moore Bond film because I love Octopussy and, and Moonraker and View to a Kill as well. It's got it so hard, isn't it? But I do think yeah, it's his yeah. best film, if you like. And, uh, and I, I, it was, for me, it was a great experience because I was able to take my two teenagers to see it. 
And the, the only other Bond film they've seen at the cinema, because of their age, it was No Time to Die. So it was quite a contrast to what they saw last year. Yeah. My daughter, who's 17, has watched a, a fair few of the Bond films on, on my Blu-rays, basically because I've made her. But it was nice for them to come and see a bit of, bit of Roger entertainment. And, and they absolutely, they really both loved it. I wasn't, you know, I said to them, did it seem dated to this? Well, it felt, it looked old. But I think that was more a reflection of fashions and things rather yeah. than actual pacing or anything they, they were they were swept away with it so yeah. for me the spy love me was actually a, a magical experience seeing it on the big the flares screen give it away don't they yeah 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 that's for sure <laughs> the flares yeah you can, in every roger moore film they sort of get bigger and bigger and then they yeah. start to shrink away again don't they as, yeah. uh, as you go through his films so that was great and then the next one i got to was a view to a kill which is a special one as people have known I, my, my wife walked down to the aisle to um Wine with Stacy from A View to a Kill. So that's a special one for, for us. And uh, we, we, she and I went to see that and, uh, and loved it again on the on the big screen. Uh, I'd seen Licence to Kill recently with, with a few of you guys down in London. Um, I couldn't get to the cinema. And that is my, my top Bond film. So it was a shame I couldn't get to see it again, but I had recently seen it, thankfully, down at the Prince Charles. And then it was just, let's see, I did see another one. Well, Spectre I did a review for, I cheated because it was, I actually only could watch on TV because of yeah. childcare issues, but I knew there'd be so much hate towards it. Yeah, uh, it so people much. like Chris, who I can, he's, he's, he's even dropped his video down now because I'm mentioning yeah. Spectre, he's just on a still now, uh, <laughs> powering away. But uh, it's, uh, uh, it's a film that I think is a lot of fun until the final third where it does get a bit wobbly. But um, yeah, so I want to just defend that one. But yeah, I would love to have, I would dearly have loved to have seen more of the Bond films. Or oh, Tomorrow Never Dies, took my son to see that right. as well. And that's a great, that's just a great fun action film, I think, for Pierce Brosnan. It's, uh, it, I remember when it came out, when I started going to see Bond films from Licence to Kill onwards. I've got a, there's a possibility I was at Daylights and A View to a Kill as well, but I was so young, I can't clearly remember. I just know we had loads of merchandise on the walls. So my hunch is we probably did go to the cinema, but my mum and my brother can't remember either, so... Uh, I definitely saw a license to kill at the cinema uh, that onwards. And I remember being very disappointed with Tomorrow Never Dies when I saw the cinema because it just, as a film, it doesn't feel like it's got the depth that GoldenEye has. But mm. when you just go and watch it purely as a piece of fun entertainment, it's it's one of the very, very best Bond films for that. It's it's, it's the sort of joy you get from a Roger Moore film, really. So so that's really summed it up for me. And uh, I, I've loved it. And I've, what I've really loved is, is so many of you on this podcast now, I've been listening to you when I'm driving on the podcast. So all those films I couldn't get to, which was obviously quite a few in the run, you really have brought the experience to me. And, and I genuinely mean that listening to... Well, the podcast got longer and longer, didn't they? As more people joined, I never once skipped anybody's part, anybody's comment, because I, whether it was for or against, it didn't really matter. It really, you you all painted the picture of what it was like. So for someone who was gutted to miss so many, honestly, that meant a lot. So thank you to to all of you for your time contributing. And that's it, really. I thought it was quite nice. And I don't know if I must speak to the schedulers. For those who don't know, I, I do work for ITV. But I thought it was very nice that ITV was showing the films on the same weekends they were in the cinema because it meant, obviously, us diehard Bond fans were seeing them, but probably only in the thousands. But a couple of million casual viewers at home were catching them. So sometimes you'd actually have a conversation at work the next week because obviously us Bond fans knew that it was cinema but other people just happened to stumble across them on a Saturday evening so I thought actually it was quite nice I don't, I, I don't know if it was officially tied in it must have been surely the coincidence is, is so big if I ever get around speaking to the schedules I, I will ask how that worked out but I thought that was quite a nice touch that you almost got the whole country involved to a smaller extent so um so yeah I thought it's just been hugely positive and I'm not a fan of No Time to Die I've, I've not managed to bring myself to watch it 
again yet <laughs> i will one day so for me this perhaps after the disappointment of that film last year this has been such a huge lift for me with bond all of it the seeing the films getting everybody talking about them listening to the podcast with all of you guys on it it's it's been a really brilliant sort of six months or so oh it's been great hearing you every every so often steve and well we heard from bob before now there's a a trio well there's four of you who have been going in derby haven't you most weeks so there's bob there's kieran there is john who is behind the stunts and also Chris Johnson, who's not here tonight. But Kieran, first of all, so you, you're, are you the only one in the group who's seen them all? I believe so. Um, I'm not sure. No, John didn't get to all of them. I don't think he made it was a couple. And then I think there was one, maybe, I think it was Skyfall that Bob had to miss. But yeah, fortunately for myself, I was able to make it work, which I was absolutely staggered by, quite frankly, because with my working schedule, working shift patterns like a roller coaster, it's been a lean love from start to finish and I didn't expect to get to see them all so this was quite a thrill and as I look back on the entire experience I mean hopefully I'll be as eloquent as Steve put it himself but for me it's been it's just been marvellous it's been it's been an absolute joy a pleasure and a privilege to witness these films on the big screen as they were meant to be seen by audiences and it's something you know people of our generation my generation would never have expected growing up I certainly didn't expect it and for the last several years, I've always said to myself, I would love to see these films as they were meant to be portrayed and as they were meant to be witnessed by audiences. I've made it work. I'm still staggered, as I say. And uh, thank you to Bob for his patience in printing out a cinema ticket every time I've been to view it. That, that has been a labour of love as well. I've literally got a printout of every single one. So I can show my grandkids, this is what... Bond was like for me in my 30s on the big screen for the 60th and they'll probably think I'm as mad as a box of frogs but for me it's it's the little things and um, no it's been a very special journey this and you know to second the sentiments of several people now to share it with you guys via the podcast and also you know Bob, Chris, John it's been a wonderful little collective that we've had and I've thoroughly enjoyed you know meeting up each week having food, going on to see Bond. It's been something wonderful to look forward to each week. And I do miss that. And hopefully we shall be able to continue our run, you know, with classic films, as we say, that are now being resurrected for the big screen. And it could be a new era for cinema, who knows? But no, thoroughly enjoyed this. And to share with you guys, has been an absolute honour. To be honest, you're absolutely right. You expect that, say, Goldfinger, Spy Love Me, some of those will be shown every so often, every few years. And I know people who live in London have the luxury of the Prince Charles, who are great, aren't they, who show them all at regular intervals. But for us regional people, it's very rare to get the chance to see them. So, I mean, to watch, you know, Man with the Golden Gun, <laughs> for your eyes only, these ones that perhaps don't get talked about as much now. And even, I mean, the Daltons, you know how obsessed we all are, but to see them, at the cinema, you know, especially Licence to Kill, people say it's a cheap action, you know, a Miami Vice episode. Well, I'll tell you what, it isn't if you watch it at the cinema. And The Living Daylights is shot so well. Being able to see those sort of more, not the most famous Bond films that the general public would instantly call to mind, seeing those has been more special for me. Yeah. If you want, <laughs> you, I'd, the reason I laugh with The Man with the Golden Gun when you said seeing that on the big screen is you're absolutely <laughs> right. It's it's like the ultimate kind of childhood dream, things that you'd never thought you'd happen. And a bit like Kieran said, you know, for our generation that haven't seen this, 
the only the closest we've got probably growing up was when as a child I grew up getting action men figures action man and suddenly action men for some inexplicable reason did a range of James Bond action men so you could get oh, like yeah. a spy who loved me golden eyed whatever eyes and that was like whoa that I never thought I'd be able to do, do this so sadly I didn't get to see the man with the golden gun but the 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 closest one I got to that was Few Eyes Only, which for me is just... And I know it's not everyone's ultimate Bond film, but I'm, I'm just so, so fond of it. I love that film. It's got all those childhood qualities, but I think it's a really excellent film. It's a great uh, thriller, action-adventure. I love the scale of it and the size of it. It brings me back to, to what Sam said at the start in terms of seeing it with people and seeing things by yourself. I actually saw Fear Eyes Only by myself. I think that made it even more special, actually. It felt like I was, like, completely undistracted and just surrounded by film that I absolutely love. Not I'm not saying I love it more than lots of them, but I was just in a... It's like a, such a childhood film, Fear Eyes Only, but to see that on the big screen and be completely enveloped in it was absolutely wonderful. I'm sorry, Harry, Same. for the times I uh, I drove over to Leeds to uh, to watch these films. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> but those seats, though, to be fair, unbelievable. Yeah, no, no. But my brothers did come over. John came over to Leeds um, to watch them with me. And again, I've only seen these films on a small telly with Math and Tom as brothers. You know, it's something on a video. You know, the quality. You know, you wind it on, you fast forward, and it gets tracking marks and things like that on your video. But to see these childhood films next to Tom and Math in a cinema was absolutely amazing. You Only Live Twice for me was so unbelievably special, mainly because films like that, films on that scale and following that formula just don't quite exist anymore. And it was so good to see that at the cinema. And Tom's right to mention the reclining seats, of course. But yeah, it's just been so good at bringing childhood onto the big screen in a way I've not seen it before. And like Steve says, at a time when the franchise is a little bit unsecure at the moment, insecure, and um, my feelings towards it are a bit, I'm a bit worried about it. This really brought back a lot of goodness, a lot of good feelings. And then, guys, I just have to say, while I've got the time, also, like Steve has said, listening to everyone here who's here tonight has just been wonderful. For all those that I've not been able to make, I've listened to every episode. Even if it's a film I'm less keen on, I thought, right, you know, yeah, I'm going to listen to it. And hearing everyone's collective thoughts here, I'm almost, I've almost agreed pretty much with everyone about what they've said. And it's, it's kind of the positivity that everyone brought to it. And the criticisms, you know, that we know that this franchise isn't perfect, but ev everything's been done with such a love of the franchise. Every comment, every, every kind of review and every kind of commentary and what you've seen, it's just made me so fond of every film and what a special franchise it is and what it means to us all so some we've just we've been so fortunate to have such great great um contr contributors contributors sorry yeah it's really been amazing for the franchise to have you guys uh jumping on this bond on the big screen thing it's been amazing a lot of the bond opinions you hear from the same people even if it's from us you know even if you listen to us so to get two or three hours on each film you hear i i hear loads of new opinions that i haven't thought of Stuff, plot points that I didn't understand that people have helped explain to me. Little cameos, the Michael Wilson cameos always get pointed out, so that's helpful. But <laughs> but it's been it's just been marvellous to hear from you all and hear your own individual things. And I'll go back to, to John Orty because he's been part of that group in Derby. And it must have been great. For, you have your curry and then you have a few pints and then you watch a Bond film. What's, we, what's more to like? We have been very dedicated as far as 
a structure to the whole thing is concerned. Tuesdays is our night up until only fairly recently we were dedicated to having a curry every week because we know we like curry we never really got an opportunity to have it apart from these get-togethers well this will keep curry well exactly Sorry, I, had to do, I had to do the joke so. quite right a, a friend of ours jeff from belfast uh, we, we we some of the i think towards some of the end of the roger moore series we were having that serious heat wave here and we had a photograph taken each week of us you know, in the restaurant, member of staff would take a photograph of us around the table. And he'd go, Jesus, boys, you are dedicated. It was 157 in the shade outside. You're inside eating curry. I and mean, this is really dead serious dedication. So it was a combination of, of, you know, this getting together, which we had an incentive. We'd always, you know, uh, uh, I've known Bob for 33 years. Um, we'd, uh, we, we started this whole thing by, you know, going to see movies together, whether it was Bond or anything. We've been seeing movies together for years. But, We've never really done a regular evening or a regular day. We go, oh, Tuesday, that's movie night, you know, whatever. We've never done that before. So to have the three of us or the four of us uh, on occasions to to literally go out in front, we're going to see this movie tonight, let's have a curry, and then let's go into the car afterwards and discuss it and record it and send a, send a, a recording in to Tom. And, and so we can have the whole thing as part of this has been, has been very cathartic. There are, I think, as mentioned just previously there, that there's been a number of movies that we've seen over the years which we may not have fully grasped. Here it explained to you by somebody else and they throw, you know, a, a curved ball at it and go, oh, that's what that scene was about. Yeah, I've all I've wondered what that was and I didn't realise about this connection between that film and that film. That's interesting. So all of that stuff has been very interesting. It's been a terrific experience to do this on a, on a regular basis and, and, and be able to to contribute to to a show that's incredibly popular right across the board and it's it seems to be doing something right you know if it ain't broke don't change it well this is definitely the the, the format to be on as far as as i've said to, to to tom on a number of occasions the reason that i think that really works is the basis that that the whole conversational aspect whether it's discussing the movies or, or whether it's doing a review of some shape or form it's like people sitting around in the pub having a chat after a movie you know, they're just pulling the whole thing apart. That's why it appeals. You do, you know, you listen to all the other bits and pieces and other shows and stuff and go into massive amounts of detail here and this and that. And you go, well, maybe that's not exactly what I'm looking for. I want to know the punter's point of view. And that's what this is. You know, we, we see the films and then we go, right, I'd like to have my two pennies with and throw it into the into the ring. So it's been a very exciting experience and hopefully to be continued. Bob Kieran and myself and, and, and Chris are planning to maintain this at some point this tuesday evening thing has become quite important to us now so we are planning to maintain this along the way i, I I'm, we may have missed out on on jackie brown recently because that was re-released but the idea of movies being re-released that was the other thing that kieran touched on you know we didn't get that opportunity back back then when those movies came out at first my first bond film was fear eyes only and i was able to to see the movies arrive whenever you like catch the film, what stay there, watch the whole thing go all the way around again and then go again. You know, we we you couldn't do that these days without being kicked out by half a dozen members of staff or being hoovered under, you know, that, that thing that they do in the cinemas at the very late hang about in the doorway and wait and then come out with a hoover and push you on. Or put the lights on. They put the lights on yes. while the credits are rolling. What's well, that the, all about? The Casino Real in I paid for this movie, do you mind? Yeah. You know, they did they put the lights on for the famous the name is Bond James Bond. And the only other thing I will say, this is my final point here, but the, the only thing I will say is that on the strength of comfort, 
when you go to a cinema, and certainly I'm 50 this year, so I've experienced a great deal of varying ranges of comfort over the years, I was pretty happy expecting a little bit of discomfort and allowing myself to go through that and then get out the other side. The Odeon Lux is way too comfortable. I mean, it's beyond comfortable. If I sit in that chair, I've got to recline it. If I recline it, I'm likely to fall asleep and miss the first half hour. And I don't want to do that, not just with that, but with any movie, really. I want to be just on the edge of my seat as far as, bloody hell, you know, doing that that moving cheek thing that you do in the confined <laughs> seats. I, I want to have limited leg room. You know, I want to keep it on the edge of my seat so I'm concentrating on the movie and not worrying about the bag of Maltesers that's been rattled over here or the fact that I'm unable to you know move around. So I think that's quite important. But um, uh, it's got to be a good thing, I think, all told. But uh, yeah, it's, it's a great experience. I've enjoyed it enormously. Well, we had a great meet-up at Buxton Opera House for one of the CUNY Music yes. concerts. And Absolutely. Yeah, Kieran, Bob and John were there, and John from our podcast. And it was just so good to have some pints. And there were some other Bond fans there who, who couldn't be here tonight. Bob, wasn't that lovely? Just having a pint, chatting about Bond, listening to the marvellous music, which is another thing that comes out on the on the big screen. Yes, it is. Yeah, we, that, so I think that's what we're all saying around that table, wasn't it? That it's that, that for, for for most of them, the concert had finished, but we then either lived it again in the pub, but then obviously, as we usually do, carry on talking about the Bond films all together. And it was great seeing you lads who were there. It was it was a fantastic experience. I'm going to bring in Mr. Steve, Steve Correnteng here now, because few of us met up for the Licence to Kill screening at the Prince Charles. And it was a bit odd because it was sort of out of the order of the Nationals because the yeah. Prince Charles had started them before, <clears> hadn't they? Now, Steve, you have you seen all of them then? No, basically I started with uh, The Living Daylights and I, then I went with Licence to Kill Goldeneye because... I just wanted to see those three because they're the top right. three Bond movies to my money. Actually, it's a funny story because like how I got into Bond was a couple of other th- was a couple of factors. Like um, the first one was like my old man. He had like a CD of just like all the Bond songs, and it was like cover songs of all the Bond songs. So that was one of them. And then my nan, God rest her, she got me a James Bond Junior videotape, and it was called The Eiffel Missile. So I watched that. And then um, my childminder basically um, she her. Uh, grandson had the golden eye video game on the n64 those are the first couple of factors it's like okay there's a guy who runs around killing people shooting people and he wears a suit and you hear the da 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 all that stuff i think my old man he was basically a casual fan of the bond movies he had a few of them on like the vhs's and one day i found a video called license to kill basically the bonds i was used to it had like all i was familiar with like you know if you're like sort of like a little sort of like boy five-year-old six-year-old guy you're just basically like okay so the curly-haired man's like sean connery and then you have a yellow-haired man who's like watch more and then you have um i was around where the pierce Brosnan was out so it was like gold night i never die so i watched license to kill and then i saw timothy dolan's version of bond and i'm just sort of watching it and i'm just like okay he's a bond i've not seen before but i'm really liking this guy it's a guy that's basically you know you know throwing people into cocaine grinders or you know, shooting <laughs> harpoons, you know, driving trucks, basically setting people on fire, shooting people. It's like, holy oh, shit, you want to be this man. And then you just end up watching more and more of it. Basically, I've replayed it so many times, basically to the point where my parents were going to murder me or something. And basically, I just ended up watching more Bond movies, like Living That Guy, The Man with the Golden Gun, Spy Love Me, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, just uh, so, 
the rough journey basically because like James Bond if you think about it, he's not your typical sort of hero like him I like his heroic moments but then he does a lot of even in the early like Sean Connery Roger Moore kind of movies he does a lot of like sort of like controversial moments where you look back and it's just like yeah you're not really meant to treat women like this you're not meant to treat certain people like this but then because it's that sort of character and he has that sort of like awe and that confidence which is like I kind of admire you for like you know reasons because you know you can just talk your way out of stuff but like way to the other people it's like eh, it's a bit edgy but we still kind of like him anyway so he's basically like that weird uncle at your Christmas dinner party <laughs> You, it's like that weird dark way your Christmas dinner party is just like yeah you're very cool I look up to you I admire you but some of this stuff is just like no you cannot say that in front of certain people those three particular Bond movies like uh, Dalton movies and Goldeneye um, that's a really good experience watching them actually because basically at the end of all of them everyone just started clapping oh. and it was just kind of made me feel like yeah because if you really think about it, why are we Bond fans it's basically because like it's that it has that feel good factor at the end of it. Basically, it's a man who basically talks and fights his way out of shit. Basically, like he's about <laughs> to be killed. Someone, well, someone's about to kill him. You know, he's going to be in a situation like some sort of shit he can't get out of. But then some type, but then he has a way. He finds a way. He gets out of it. And then there's just like you know, us as guys, it's like. Man, you want to emulate that. You don't want to emulate the stuff where he's being controversial towards certain types of people. But it's just like you you want to just like, you know, emulate the sort of the confidence and the heroicism and stuff. And that's a thing that's kind of why I really like James Bond, especially like the Timothy Dolan ones, especially, you know, with the whole because, you know, I think with him, he's like more like the grumpy, cynical kind of Bond. And I kind of relate to that a little bit. <laughs> sure enough, Steve. Yeah, he still has those characteristics of like being what James Bond is like, you know, confidence and the swagger, the clothes, the cars, and all that stuff. And then he doesn't really like his job that much. It's just like, the way he thinks about other people, he's just thinking, oh, for God's sake, especially with the bit in the living daylights with um, when Carl was about to sort of drive the Jeep into the plane and he's basically mouthing to her, drive in. And she's like, ah, and he's like, oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then she's just basically like, Oh, yes, it's like, yes, I'm getting the thing. You know what? I kind of emulate to that. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I understand it. You understand Bond's frustration. I think, like, you know, when we're watching movies with James Bond in them, we're actually just kind of, we're into his inner monologue sometimes as well, especially with, like, you know, the musical, just, like, literally just the man himself, you know, just, I don't know if anyone feels like that, but it's just kind of how I kind of feel when I watch these movies and stuff, you know. That's oh, yeah. brilliant, Steve. Absolutely yeah, brilliant. Yeah. And I know David was one of those who, David Licensed yeah. Queer, was there in London for the License to Kill screening. And he's been to some more, haven't you, as well? Yeah. I'm I'm not one to make New Year's resolutions, but I actually did this year because it was the 60th anniversary of Bond. And my, my own, one and only was not to drink fewer martinis, but to meet as many Bond fans in person as possible because I started the whole licensed queer thing at the start of the first lockdown and I, I there's so many people on here who I've only met for about three minutes and I feel really really bad you know like Stephen who's just been speaking and, and, and lots of other people I'm, I'm really eager to get to know you properly uh, but I've got to know some of you more than others um, at some of those screenings and yeah so I did three Prince Charles screenings, we did the Honor Majesty Secret Service one. Stephen said, you know, you go to Bond to feel good. That was like the feel bad event of the year. <laughs> watching watching oh, Honor no. Majesty, it's like all the, a, a screen full of Bond fans just sobbing yeah. <laughs> through, yeah. as they walk 
looking out at the cinema. It was very much a bonding experience. It was absolutely fantastic. And then obviously the license to kill one was brilliant because you guys uh, with John organized the the Paul Weston Q&A and we got him to do the the whole uh, hold on you're dead. You uh, did, like, yeah, that yeah. was all you. <laughs> well, you know, someone had to do it. Someone had to do it. I think the License to Kill one was possibly my favourite because, and I think Sam mentioned something about this earlier on, about how you feel the films differently. Because a lot of people think License to Kill is this really kind of hard sort of, you know, real hard-boiled sort of story. But it, there were so many laughs during oh, that yeah. movie. There really were. Yeah, there were. I mean, really were. A lot of people laughed in that, just in that cinema because it's it's meant to be that sort of violent sort of Bond movie. But, you know, when I'm like... You do the money, he's just like, don't do it. It's like, everyone just laughs. It's like, <laughs> everyone it, it just, it. and even with the eyeball with like Q, when he, find, when he finds out that basically, you know, Loopy's like having it off with Bond, basically, like, it's just, and he just has that eyeball and stuff. It's just so cool. Yeah. You're absolutely right, Stephen. Those kind yeah. of dark comedy moments. It is dark com- you- it's basically dark comedy. Yeah. It is. It is. Yeah. It very, it very much confirmed license to kill is like a dark comedy, but also you've got the random bits like the pineapples. And all those little bits which we, we debate endlessly online and then to actually see them in a cinema showing of the film with other people who've been debating these things online was a was a really weirdly unique experience. It was fantastic. Let me ask you guys something actually about license to kill. Would you admit this? Basically, license to kill, the whole sort of story how it starts is basically because the girl decides to cheat on their man. Literally, like <laughs> it's basically the whole license to kill starts because Lupi Lamora decides to basically cheat on her very, very violent, abusive drug lord, <laughs> and that's how the whole movie starts. The whole license to kill starts. Just kind of a thought, just putting it out there. Yeah, yeah. Bond yeah. this. Yeah. So in essence, Lupe, we're saying Lupe is the hero of the story, yeah? Absolutely. Well, she is, but, but, but basically she does use Bond as a way to kind of get away from Sanchez. And then at the end where she's just like, oh yeah, you could save me if you want. And Bond's just like, nah, she's just like, mm, okay, suit yourself. She's just using him as a ticket to get away from this really horrible, abusive relationship. So basically, if you think about it, it's just as much as Lupe's story as it is about James Bond's story about, you know, getting revenge for Felix Leiter and his wife. A metaphor for life, I think, more so than anything. You're quite right. Hmm. Man, I need a new hobby. That's why I'm out of you guys. So I love you guys. Just, I know too much about James Bond, so that's why I'm just saying, yeah, maybe there's this and that. Steve, yeah. Stephen, I don't think you're alone in that. Um, <laughs> considering considering the company here, I think we yeah, all probably know man, too yeah. much about James. Hundred percent, hundred percent, man. Even to the point where a teacher in year two told me to stop talking about it so much because I knew too much about Bond. Even I am a teacher, as is Harry, and we probably have our students telling us to shut up about James Bond. <laughs> yes. So, oh man, the education system's failed. Then <laughs> just like, yeah, what are we doing? <laughs> just to finish off what I was saying so yeah I saw yeah. the Tomorrow Never Dies one as well and that was great because we went for some of us went for Chinese food those who could make it so it was kind of like making a proper event of it and then I did catch up with so the first film I ever saw at the cinema was uh, the bomb film I saw at the cinema was Goldeneye and then I that's when I kind of started sending you guys my, my little bits and pieces but I, I every even though I went to that one solo Goldeneye there were people in that audience at my local Odeon 15 minutes away and they we're all we were all of sort of the same sort of age and it was that kind of weird thing it was almost like being a spy story in the foyer of the cinema where even though i didn't know anyone and they didn't know me 
we were sort of all kind of like, you're here for Goldeneye, aren't you? Without saying it sort of yeah. thing. So I don't know if anyone else had a similar sort of experience, but it's been really nice to get to know, just get to know people, basically. Yeah, can I ask you guys something, actually? Um, because actually, it's a plan of mine to basically um, sit many of my friends down. Some of them aren't really big Bond fans. Some of them aren't really big Bond fans, but I want to sit them down to watch just the Timothy Dalton Bond movies. Not all 25 of them, just that they just basically be like, this is what I think about these movies. What do you think about them? Like, I mean, I've tried to show them to certain people before, but there's mixed reviews. I mean, I just know, have you guys had any experience of like showing James Bond movies to friends of yours who aren't really Bond fans, but you just like, watch this movie, see what you think about it, because, you know, yeah, anyone had any experience? I think, I think if there's one thing we've seen from seeing them all at the cinema is that... The- and it's been said many times on the podcast, is that yeah. there is really something for everyone course, within the yeah. franchise. Even within the framework of the Bond formula, that, you know, you've got your ones that are more serious and brooding, then you've got your fun ones, and um, yeah, of course, yeah, the ones yeah, that yeah. are more far-fetched, the ones that are more grounded. I think you'd have to judge it on what ca- what your friend would be into. So, like, if, if, you're, if your friend, you know, is, like, into... The Bourne films just put, put you know, Quantum of Solace. Uh, Quantum of Solace. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Quantum of Solace but, or some shit like that. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it's good though. I, like, I mean, I did watch all the Daniel Craig movies over summer. Actually, it does make sense, like, sort of like, you know, sort of oh, yeah. like, looking agent to how he dies. But yeah, that, that makes but, sense. How but he, if yeah. it's like, but if it's like, a, you know, a, a young teenage child you know 11 i don't know 11 12 year old might yeah, be interesting be making more... people like that you have to question, <laughs> have to question why like... you're making friends that young yeah <laughs> i mean like like a family member you know someone like yeah, like a nephew yeah. or a niece or something like it might be you know a more fun fun kind of caper type and that's the beauty of the franchise is that it, you'd it probably varies, yeah see what yeah. matches a person it's got something course, for every yeah. kind of person doesn't it mm, yeah it varies it's, it's very it goes from like very camp to like sort of very gritty and they kind of like they try and test certain things mm. it's a good testament to like the 60 years of like this like massive absolutely yeah yeah hi everyone this is trina parks you are listening to really 007 you're on again bambi I want to bring in Mr. Dom Cook now because oh, Dom, we know, is a is a big fan of the James Bond films. Your recordings are very interesting; they're quite dry, and I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I love your delivery. I absolutely love it. Is. I've never done anything like this before, and I wanted to give it a go. And to be honest, recording it on an iPhone, voice clips, and trying to figure out what to say has been quite difficult for me. You've been brilliant. You've been absolutely. The last brilliant. few ones I've done, I've sort of made notes and sort yeah. of read it as a script, if you like. And I just sort of tried to do it that way. But I had a list of things I wanted to say. So I just sort of started from the beginning, then went sort of to the end, like plot-wise. And I know it's not the best thing to listen to, but then I was trying to add my thoughts into it as I was going along. But it was just a nice thing to do. Dom, I've absolutely loved listening to your contributions. Yeah. I absolutely loved, loved right. it. And, and that's another thing. We've had all the different vibes and different po- positivity, but I, I love all the different styles as well. There's so many yeah. different styles of reviews. Some go through chronologically through the film. Some go straight to the thing they love the most. Every episode has been a real variety, and that's made everyone so listenable. It's been great, Dom. You've done amazing. 
Oh, thank you. That's that's very nice of you to say. Thank you so it's been much. Been superb, mate. Which ones have sort of stood out for you in this run? To be honest, I've only seen five. I've only seen Diamonds, Licence to Kill, Golden Eye, Tomorrow Never Dies, and Skyfall. Cool. I feel a bit of a fraud recording them when I've not seen them. But I just no, no, that's, you qualify. You don't have to have seen them all. Like I say, yeah, I think everyone has seen you. So yeah, the one for me was Tomorrow Never Dies because that just brought it back to me. That was the first one I've watched. Like as a small child, and the soundtrack, and I've got the CD here. Yes, just to be in the view, and just uh, I love that film. Like it just, well, it just brought back so many memories. So I could go on about that all night. <laughs> Did it really annoy you when that soundtrack came out that there was only half the film there? Oh yeah, because on this one it hasn't got the song at the end where he, like it's fighting Stampler, Hard Day's Work, whatever it's called. Yeah, there's, there's loads, there's loads. Oh, goes to Carver's place is an inside gone. But all of that's missing. Yeah, it's, I found it on the YouTube channel, so oh, I've kind of just yeah. put it there, yeah. I'm going to bring in Darren Biffle now, because Darren has his own brilliant, unique style. And, and I want to ask you about how you do it, Darren, because you I think it's scripted, but it's like it, it seems like it could have taken you months to do each one. They're so well written. It's been brilliant. Not too kind. Madness. <laughs> Madness is what does it. No, when you feel as though you know what you're talking about, it just comes, it just... It just writes. I try and make it different. I mean, everyone's different, and it's been it's great to see faces to the voices. Apologies if I've broken illusions. <laughs> but, uh, everyone tries to be different, and I just try and do it my way. It's, it's just what comes out. That's all I can say, really. In terms of, I don't. I try not to make it like a normal film review. I just try and just try and do it in different. Just just approach it in different ways. That's all. Well, yeah. How many have you been to though, Darren? You've been to. Most of them, have you? I've done 20 this run. Um, oh, you had a braid, didn't you, for the Brosnans? Or... Yeah. Boo, hiss. Let's not go there. No, no. <laughs> I like Pierce Brosnan, okay? I like Pierce Brosnan. But I needed a break. I needed just a time out. The ones that I've appreciated the most in this run is the ones that I haven't seen on the big screen. I hadn't seen from Russia, You Only Live Twice, Diamonds, Moonraker, and Fior Eyes Only. I've done the rest. They've all been up. All of them have been a blast. The ones I've seen, yeah, but yeah. it's it's funny because the ones that I've had the most out of are the ones that I didn't expect the most out of. I mean, everyone has their charts as to where they where they rank them in order. For example, you only live twice. That's always been mid tier, but when you see it on the big screen, it's like my goodness me! You really appreciate the beauty of that film. The photography of Freddie Young is to die for. Really, I don't think. There's ever been a more sumptuous Bond film, not until Skyfall came along. That is just right up. And I tell you, the one that I was disappointed with of the ones that I hadn't seen is Fior Eyes Only, but not. Right. I love the film, but it was where I saw it. We we weren't meant to be going on this particular night. We were meant to see the Foo Fighters, God Rest Your Soul, Taylor Hawkins. The wife said, Well, come on, let's see Fior Eyes Only in Leicester Square. I was like, Oh my goodness, Leicester Square. I'm going to see a Bond film in Leicester Square. <laughs> right, now I'm an authentic Bond fan. Yes, let's do this. But we weren't going to do it in the Odeon. We did it at View. And I thought, well, no, 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 that's fine. That's fine. It's fine. It's in Leicester Square. It's in the <laughs> Fantastic. That'll do me. So in I walked in the foyer. No, do the charm assistant here. No, no. Peter Marshall. No. Okay, fine. And then we were led down to the bottom of the cinema in what was basically like a basement screening. It felt like some kind of Soho kind of flashback from the 70s or something. And we went in there and the screening was not the best. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And it wasn't helped when you had two blokes in front of us that didn't have the links effect. And, uh, <laughs> you know, the sound wasn't that great and everything. And I thought, oh, of all the ones that just didn't hit the bill, it was that one. But it wasn't the film. And that was the one, I have to say, that was the one I was the most excited to see because it's, it's the highest one that I've not seen in my, in my ranking. But then well, when I got back home to Cheshire Oaks, it was like, this, this, is where, this is where I should see them. And it's funny when I've been to the cinema, in the same cinema that I've been to the most, to see the same, type, the same people yeah. in each Bond run. But then when a new Bond steps in, you see a new batch of people that come in and see the films. And then when one stops and another one takes over, you see a new batch of people. And it's, it's strange, yet it's understandable. It's just very strange when you see patterns like that. It's been an absolute blast doing this. Writing them has been a blast as well. You know, it, it's, I think a bit of creativity does a lot for one's well-being. Certainly since lockdown, I've been searching for Bond podcasts. I've contributed to one or two in the past. And then I found this great podcast and you opened the invitation. The first one I did was Goldfinger and that wasn't scripted. That was just off the cuff. And I thought, let's just see how this goes. Tom replied back. He did. He said, yeah, great. Love it. And I thought, you're in trouble now. (laughs) You're in trouble now. And so that's when I started to write more. Well, You Only Live Twice was the first one. Thunderball I didn't do because I had to go to Paris. Like Mrs. Harris. (laughs) I mean, that's an an in-joke, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> everyone's everyone's laughing. They're on mute though. Sorry. No, I, I'm going to go watch it next week. Sorry. Oh yeah. <laughs> Rob, yeah. 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 Bond on the yeah. big screen, Mark Two. Yeah. I'm going to watch it yeah. in 60 years as well. It's supposed <laughs> to be quite nice. It's supposed to be quite a nice film. So sod it. I can really feel John not my choice, but I feel exactly the same about Avatar. If I see one more trailer about that bloody film, <laughs> I will. Learn to swim or something, I don't know. It's just, oh, just enough. But no, it's been an absolute blast, as I said. And to see faces to the voices, I mean, without going woe is me. I've been on my own James Bond Island for many, many years. And I've not really been in a community because I've just been away. I've just not had the, not the wherewithal, but not the knowledge of getting involved with things like this until now. So it's really nice to finally express myself if you like in front of a an audience that can hopefully appreciate it you know it's going to be sad because i don't know what to do next i, I wonder if a carry on if the carry on team have got an anniversary coming up <laughs> the film got some big fans of that too I think. that won't care enough yeah i was gonna say <laughs> <laughs> and he's the youngest i'm me i'm me 
Oh, Rob as well. <laughs> well, I wanted to bring in Sam because you mentioned, first of all, you mentioned, well, two films that we've talked about and had a great time about together, Sam. The first one was You Only Live Twice, which you you think really, really does hold up. The second one is that Blessed Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris because we've been watching that together now for the last six months, it feels like, and we're going to have to see it. I mean, I feel like... The writing's on the wall, not the bad one, but you know, um, <laughs> more more Destiny's Child album writings on the wall than the Sam Smith terrible thing. Very but, good, um, yeah, good. But uh, <laughs> no, but Mrs. Harris goes to Paris is, but it feels like a nightmare that has just been following me through. <laughs> through, it's kind of like ruined each James Bond experience. And now it's just got to the point where I'm like, fine, whatever, I'll just go and watch it. So, so I mean, if if the opportunity's there, I will watch it. Afraid that I will like it and go well that was worth seeing all the trailers because it made it stick in my mind and now we're and now yeah. here we are but um it but no like my milkman yeah you beat me too <laughs> i mean why that's the that's why and yeah. trailer line why that's the hook why that's the big laugh i mean i don't know i would really like to speak with the editor for that one I, i'll go to you only twice though because i mean yes. i actually absolutely you know i think you know someone else mentioned i can't remember sorry but like that seeing that on the big screen i think is important you know I, you know by that point i mean all the all the films are made for the big screen but i mean those later connery ones in the 60s in particular really once the that new widescreen aspect ratio and it's kind of all once that's all there you know everything combined just works so well so i feel like even though thunderball is not my favorite that looks tremendous on the big screen you only twice does on a majesty's Diamonds, yeah, all those before we go to Live and Let Die in the Man of the Golden Gun, where that changes again. Those four just work so well. And I think there's been a lot of heat on You Only Live Twice at the moment. And I say a lot of heat, I just feel like there's not a lot of there's not a lot of talk of it because everything yeah. else surpasses it for many people, which I get, but at the same time, I think there's so many good things to You Only Live Twice that people just don't mention or they just look they just look to the Japanese makeover scene and go, well, that's it. Kind of like how people would do with with Octopussy and the Clown. There's not. That's not the only thing there. And the the only other things that people do talk about is the volcano sets, the capsule in space music. They don't talk about anything else. I don't hear a lot of talk about Donald Pleasance at the moment. I don't, you know, see people talk about the cinematography. You know, Little Nelly. Like those kind of things that are kind of for for us maybe things that we would say, but in a wider general audience or consensus it's just not brought up anymore and it's just weird because I, I feel like 20 years ago when i wasn't the biggest fan they were things that i knew about even though i hadn't seen the film because it just seemed to be in the air but especially over these past two decades there's certain things from the 60s 70s bond films that have kind of gone out of the general audience's mind it feels maybe that's just the area that i'm in where it are the people that I'm surrounded by, but that just kind of feels like the vibe. So I think what's good with with this and with with all the projects and things that have come out, especially through this pandemic, has been so many more voices kind of coming up from various different backgrounds, areas, you know, ages. You know, and I've I said this a lot of what I perceived as the James Bond fandom was middle-aged men when I when I when I was you know eleven years old gets really getting into it. That was Chris. I know you waving, but you weren't middle-aged back then. You weren't middle-aged back then, but <laughs> but that's just like, it felt like a lot a lot of gatekeeping and a lot of okay, this is mm. us. And if and if you're if you haven't had this background, then that's it. And I feel like the past two years has really allowed for so many more people to kind of give them a voice and an active voice and one that is meaningful so i can say about my love for you only live twice because i feel like 
you know, people should talk about that. I say the same for Diamonds. I say the same for The World Is Not, Not Enough. Like, there's certain films where a lot of people will say, oh, well, these people have said it's not on this level, so we're going to agree with them because they're the they're the people who know Bond. But I'm like, there's no one right way to know and appreciate the series. And I think just, you know, us and everyone else who is able to do so has been able to actually give their opinions and that, that's completely valid. And so when people have talked about No Time to Die, and I've been quite positive about it, especially over this last one, I, I when Bob said that he had peace uh, yeah. with, with everything after this last few, and I had that exact same vibe. And so it's just nice that even time, you know, can help change your perspective and position on it. Well, you mentioned diamonds as well, though. We had a lovely date movie, didn't we, I think, for that one, Sam? Oh, it was lovely. It was, it was, it, I mean, <laughs> I, 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 I've never felt so close to you, Tom, like, where it was just us <laughs> watching diamonds. It was just like, what is it this? It held hands during the Winston Kids holding hands scene. And, yeah. I, 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 I need, I need, I need, to, I needed my wince, and now you yeah. Were, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, I'll take that, yeah. I'll probably... Yeah, yeah a bottle of Mouton Rush. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very good. <laughs> well, I'll bring in Patch as well now, because you, you'll, have, you'll have heard Patch's amazing contributions, and he's been to nearly all of them. And Diamonds is... You, you absolutely love uh, Diamonds, don't you, Patch? Oh, absolutely, yeah. It's one that I have a huge amount of fondness for. Actually, a good, good while ago, it would have been probably my favourite one, definitely my favourite Connery one, but no, th- things have shifted in recent years and now Spy Love Me is my top favourite, but no, I definitely hold Diamonds quite dear to me. It's definitely one of those things that really got me into the whole thing, for sure. Yeah, I'm so happy to hear the love for you and live twice from you, especially Sam. It's one that I also hold quite dear to me, because I think it's the first one that I remember seeing part of a quite a while ago because obviously I got into Bond via ITV showings you know I didn't attend many cinema showings for quite a while and it wasn't really until the time Skyfall was coming out where I thought mm, well actually there's a lot of attention around this 50th anniversary why not give it a go regarding these uh, cinema re-releases it's it's been a total blast and I've loved every moment of it really and certainly there's been ones that I've completely shifted my views on. I mean, to start from the beginning, obviously the first one I contributed to was uh, Thunderball. And that's not really been a favourite of mine for quite a while, but I was utterly amazed seeing it on the big screen when suddenly everything came to life. The locations, the music sounded better than ever, and the underwater scenes, such a different atmosphere. You completely get immersed in them. It's like you're there with Bond swimming about the Vulcan wreck. It's just utterly amazing. Seeing it on the small screen when I did eventually do that some months later, it just wasn't the same. You just kind of wish, oh, if I had the same sort of experience I had at the cinema. But no, it was that was quite quite a treat. Then I think um, Man with the Golden Gun also was different. Because with that... Um, it was, for, for a while, my least favourite of the Roger Moore films for various reasons. But just watching it this time, I suddenly, something clicked with me. I was suddenly like, hang on, this is reminding me of a lot of the stuff that I love about Bond in general. The escapism, you know, the wonderful locations, the sort of direction from directors like Guy Hamilton, who I think are seriously underrated. And yeah, Christopher Lee. What more can you say? It was just fabulous really now with a golden gun and i think now i'm 
very close to preferring it to Live and Let Die, amazingly. The other Lewis Gilbert films I adore as well, so seeing Spy Love Me was a treat, because that's my favourite one, of course. But the one that probably impressed me more was Moonraker. Because that's one of the easiest ones to watch, period, really. You could put it on at any time, and no matter how bad you're feeling, it still delights. So, you know, I'm watching it, you know, enjoying myself a lot. Suddenly, flight into space. Oh, yeah. I was spellbound by that. I had a shiver down my spine. I just couldn't believe it. John Barry, amazing composer, you know, does its work. Again, it's one of those things you can't miss seeing at the cinema of that scene. And I was just so spellbound. I was almost emotional. When you contribute, Patch, have you have you written it all out? Because it's so, again, it, it's so brilliantly, the way it flows and everything. You only live twice onwards, I did. I think for Thunderball, yeah. I just did it coming out of the cinema. You can probably hear that from all the noise behind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did, I did script it considerably. And I think I got better as I went along, you know, going into much more detail. Because by the time of the Craigs, I was just, you know, listing, you know, characters, favourite bits, favourite parts of the score and all that. Yeah. They've been, they've been absolutely fantastic. I'm sure everyone will agree. It's yeah. great to put a, f- a face to the voice as well, Patch. Super. Yeah. Right. This is Susie Banner from The Spy Who Loved Me. This is for Really 007. I just want to say, oh, James, I need you. I want to speak to Callum now, Callum McKelvey, talking about, you know, scripted things. We don't have a website, and I know Sam and Callum and others perhaps here have contributed to David's Licensed Queer website. It must be quite nice to sort of do these different things. I mean, I'd love to write an article because I'm, obviously I'm just used to broadcasting. But Callum, you've done both, haven't you? I'm not going to lie. I, I didn't script mine. I'm no, they're, they're great. They're yeah, no, it was mostly um, consistent panic attacks. Just starting recording and then trying again and trying again. I'm not really used to doing the audio thing. The License to Queer stuff, I, I write in my day job. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm an editor for History Magazine. And so that's sort of where my where my skill is and I'm trying I think like a few people have said you know you want to sort of branch out you want to try different things and I also haven't sort of really dipped my toes into the kind of bottom family but kind of going off topic for something I did I did want to mention earlier people sort of saying about how you were gauging someone's taste and how you would introduce them to a to a bomb fit. Well, I dragged might be too strong a word, but um, I took my partner to every single one we saw. We saw all of them, bar the two the two dolphins, which was due to sickness, not personal taste. He's got a how do I describe his taste? His two favourite films are Grease Two and Exorcist Two. <laughs> Mark Camo's favourite films, yeah. Yeah. So I was going in thinking Moonraker, like that's going to land. No, Moonraker wasn't there. Um, but Man with the Golden Gun. He, he adored. What a guy. <laughs> well, like, you might be able to see like a, a Rita Coolidge album over my shoulder. Oh, no. <laughs> the Octopussy single. That's his. He's a little bit obsessed with, with that. But that sort of brought me on to, to what I wanted to say about seeing it on the big screen, which is that it was this real kind of seeing it through fresh eyes and sort of hearing what, what you guys are all saying and all these different opinions, but also just the real kind of pleasure of having someone sitting next to me who hasn't got a clue, doesn't know. I think the highlight of the whole thing was when he didn't know that Sheriff Pepper came back. <laughs> and I, I had kept that quiet. I was like, oh, this is a little surprise for you. I'm just not going to say anything. <laughs> um, and then he appeared and he was like, oh, it's a cameo. It's fine. It's just a one-off. I was like, no. no, no. 
you wait till the car chase. The double take pigeon was another highlight. Um, he wasn't expecting that, but that was sort of those kind of moments. Um, but also some of the more kind of emotional moments, kind of heavy moments, things that he wasn't expecting. We didn't get to see it on the big screen, but we did watch License to Kill at home. And I don't think he was expecting the kind of level of, of nastiness of that. Mm. He hadn't, he hadn't read my license to clear article where I spoke about sort of the, the horror involved. Yes, yeah, so great article. Oh, thank you. But he wasn't expecting heads exploding. Um, <laughs> I, think, I think that was a bit of a, a bit of a shock. But th- that was, I think, one of the big joys of just kind of getting engaging with the fandom, but also get to talk to people who perhaps this isn't their I think, seeing them enjoy it and then seeing their kind of taste taste developed. I mean, I, I really wasn't expecting him to like Doctor No as much as he does. And his main reason for that is it's a detective, and I think yeah. he was used to Bond as this being this this big spectacle. And films like You Only Live Twice, as people were saying, they they were great to see on. The screen but for me i really enjoyed kind of a lot of the smaller scale ones that was something that i kind of had you know i'm so used to bond being this big bombastic boxing day thing that seeing some of the, the smaller movies golden gun has become quite a, a special film to us just because we had so much so much fun um, and i'm not going to blame the four pack we snuck in either we did have an emergency four packs of carlsberg for certain films spectre was one <laughs> Steve Khan's gone, so unfortunately, I don't know whether there's anyone left to defend it. But we'll, we, we may find out later. But oh, Sam's got his hand up. One word you mentioned there, Callum. I remember in you, you said nastiness, and obviously everyone associates that with the the Welsh accent of of Dalton. But you mentioned that in your a View to a Kill review. I remember you thought there were there are a few elements in it. That are a bit I know that Roger Moore was a bit uncomfortable with it as well. Yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a dark film. <laughs> I don't know if I want to call it. I don't know. Just saying it has. A, if I say it has a punk sensibility, is that a bit too much? That nope. feels a bit pretentious. But it, it has this kind of edge to it. It has this sort. I mean, I, I do. I can't remember if I said it in the thing, but what sort of shocked me is this kind of young versus old element, which I don't know if it's intentional. But obviously, quite a lot of the the MI6 regular. Uh, regulars, including Fermi and Rod, they're all a bit long in the two. Yeah. And then you've got these kind of icons of, I mean, they look like a pop group, the villains. I know Grace Jones is, is a singer, but the rest of them, they do look like, you know, kind of an 80s pop band. And I wonder if there is this kind of sort of counterculture element in terms of introducing a bit more violence, trying to get kind of the teams involved a bit more, make it a bit more edgy. But it is, it is one that I I really like it. I mean, the Mind Massacre was one of those moments where <laughs> the screening I was in, maybe Bournemouth's just senses it, but everyone in the Bournemouth Odeon was a little bit, I don't know, there were some uncomfortable faces. And I think, you know, <laughs> we brought young children when expecting oh, yeah, of machine guns, you know, and people getting yeah. electrocuted. <laughs> it is bad, isn't it? But Mayday and my men. Yeah, a convenient coincidence. Mr. Zorn, those men are loyal to you. Oh!
good. Right on schedule. For us, the view to a kill, we a few of us watched that together. Math, you were there for that, but that that Golden Gate finale, I just I know what I've mentioned it can't get better cinema, can it? It's just it must oh. be one of the greatest climaxes to film I've ever seen. Never mind Bond film. Yeah, absolutely. Go get him. Go. <laughs> You know, it's always been a fa- I mean, that film in general has been all, always been a favourite one of ours and one's, one that we watched almost to death growing up yeah. on video. <laughs> but yeah, to see that, the film as a whole, but that finale on the big screen is just, it's like a dream come true, really. It's just yeah. like, you know, waiting all your life. I mean, that film was, was made in the year I was born, so I was a bit too young to watch it then. And I don't know, it was just so special. And to watch it with, you know, you guys and, and you know, Sam, it been brilliant to be part of this sort of journey with you. And I don't know, to just have this shared emotional experience with people and not just people we went to in person, but as part of these, you know, this series and this series of podcasts has just been wonderful. And I, I feel like I... I've got to know a lot of you and, you know, hearing your voices, seeing your faces, it's, it's just so wonderful. Well, a guy with a gorgeous voice has got to be Mr. Cine Compass, Mr. Philip Deathless, who has contributed to quite a few. And you just mentioned there, apart from A View to a Kill, that and Licence to Kill are the best finales, do you think? Yeah, I, I think so. I think so. And uh, I also th- thought that when I saw it at the cinema, which was, I, I thought they're the most spectacular endings to any Bond film. And I don't know how all of you feel about it, but I feel almost all Bond films are never as good as at the end as they are at the beginning or in the first half. They never manage to keep that up. I mean, not that I think the ends are bad, but it's it's never as spectacular as some of the scenes that we've seen before. And with A View to a Kill and License to Kill, to me, those are the only movies who really manage to do that because it's just, it doesn't get bigger than getting a fight on the Gold Gate Bridge or then, you know, blowing up a few tankers, a few few trucks <laughs> in Mexico. Oh, what, right. what, how do you think about it? I mean, I'm sure there are people in agreement. I, I know the, at the Prince Charles, as it was just watching it together as a sort of Bond family, 
Yeah. So you had everybody laughing in the funny scenes because it is it's not a it's not a deadly serious Bond film in, the whole way through. But then for those big set pieces, it was total silence and everyone was just completely engrossed and it was just it was just marvelous. I think they were because Paul Weston was there sat he was sat next to John John Orty and. It, <laughs> It's just, it was just surreal. Just this is the guy who's just been lit up. You've had that incredible tanker sequence with. I mean, I remember when that came out. We we were too young to watch it at the cinema, but we managed to see it on video, and we thought it's one of the most realistic, violent, incredible action set yeah. pieces ever seen. And it's not over. You get the way that Sanchez dies. I can't. I can't think of a better thing in the whole franchise. I mean, it's just the callback to the lighter, never mind the pun. In that one second, a bit like Scaramanga, that look on his face, he, it's like half a second he realises this is it and, oh, hey, this is why Bond has been doing this the whole time. <laughs> and then Paul Weston, who's there, he's on fire and he told yeah, us I, all about I, it. I got to show you something that my best friend gave to me for my wedding. So he's the one that made me a Bond fan because I became a Bond fan then. He became a bigger Bond fan. I don't know if you can see this. So <laughs> no, no. lighter, and it says my name on it, and then it says love, Micah and Christoph. Christoph is him, That's and Micah awesome. is his wife. So, and it's it's wow. basically almost the same model as a license to kill, just a tiny bit more modern. And I was oh. really moved when he gave me that. Luckily, that wasn't a bad omen for my marriage. <laughs> no drug lords coming here, but... I really yeah. want to back you up, Philip. Sorry, what you said about the climaxes yeah. of those two films. Sadly, I wasn't able to see A View to a Kill, but I did... A License to Kill was one of the ones I saw. And License to Kill is possibly my number one uh, Bond, although it's very hard to commit. But watching License to Kill throughout at the cinema, thinking, yeah, this is one of my favourites. I'm loving it at the cinema. I'm loving it at the cinema. But when it came to that final climax, it became bigger than my favourite film. It was like jaw-dropping and like took my breath away, genuinely. The size of those explosions on the big screen, I've, I've never felt anything like that. You could, I know it sounds a bit too poetic, but like you could feel the heat of it. You, I you agree. Could, you could totally, you know, you're in Mexico, of course, but then the explosion, absolutely massive and so well caught within the frame of the camera and the way you've got the, the characters in the foreground escaping them, the fighting on top of the tankers in the dust. Incredible. It, it, it literally was. the. I think that's the best climax to a film I've ever seen at the cinema, ever, full stop. You could have had everything. Don't you want to know why? And it's not, you know, you don't have a thousand soldiers there to have back, uh, to have a backup bond. No. Nope. It's just Bond and Sanchez, and it's so personal that you really. I mean, it's always tricky because in a way, I think we all like Sanchez because he is, mm. as a villain, he's also a cool guy. You kind of yeah. want to be friends with him to a certain degree. If he wasn't a criminal, you would want to be friends with him and, and have a drink and mm. stay at his house. But then again, he killed your, well, not your best friend. He killed your best friend's wife and, and tortured your best friend. So what are you going to do? So I, I think it, it's a very intense film and I'm happy to see that it gets the laugh now. And as you said... Uh, I saw it at the Prince Charles Cinema as well. A year before, 
and I forgot what his name was. He was a former assistant of Morris Binder. He was there. And oh yeah, yeah. Him. We we had him on the we had him on the show. Is Alan, Alan Church, yeah, brilliant. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He was there, so I was at that event, and that was the first. It was not actually not the first time I saw License to Kill this uh, on the big screen. I saw it a few years back at a film festival in Germany where John Glenn also attended, oh. and it's just. Yeah, John Glenn, let's not talk about him. He's amazing. We all know that. Um, <laughs> it was just amazing to see. And as you said, people laughed at the right moments and people appreciated, as Stephen said before, people uh, gave it applause. And I thought, you know, finally, this film is getting yeah. the credit it should have gotten years ago. And for me, so with my best friend in Germany, we always did this, what we call James Bond marathons, where we would meet every month or every week and watch one or two films and did that in chronological order that was all shortly before golden eye came out at the cinema and license to kill all, always was kind of the the cult movie it wasn't our favorite but it was kind of the one we look most forward to we usually yeah. watched it late at night because i feel feel it's a bit of a night movie and a film yeah, it noir it's it's very dark a lot of it happens at night and you just delve into that atmosphere and so every time i see it i remember how my, my best friend and me, we, we sat in a, a room at his parents' house who were on vacation and watched that film like at, I think, at midnight or something in a summer night and totally enjoyed it. And at the same time, then towards the end, when he's uh, in the water with, with um, Carrie Lowell, we both fell in love with Carrie Lowell. And then, you know, the yeah. song by Patti LaBelle comes, which <laughs> for me personally is, is my favorite end credit song. We both agree that this is, this is how we'd love it. You know, be with your girl, have that song on. It's just, it's just so cool. So I love License to Kill. And uh, I've seen it three times on the big screen now. And if it was on at the Prince Charles next week, I'd go again. Oh, this is, this is brilliant, Philip. Absolutely brilliant. And I know certainly myself, Harry, and some other guys in Sheffield, we've come back, and Rob, we've come back from nights out and watched License to Kill. It's just like you're in a great mood. You don't want to go to bed. Yeah. Get License to Kill on and get even even happier. Um, you also mentioned film noir. Now, Chris's ears are pricking here, Chris Goldies, because he, <laughs> he did a Twitter thread. What an <laughs> almost treating License to Kill as a film noir. And you have those black and white photographs you know, the screenshots of it. Mm. But what was it like watching it at the cinema for you, Chris? Oh, no, I, I think I sort of, what everyone had said before about, like, it was such a sort of, felt like such a, a warm, you know, like it was the sense of community watching that, that, that everyone was laughing at the right places, laughing at places where that not, wasn't inappropriate or anything like that, but it was just like, it felt like such a communal experience. I don't, and I don't think I've ever seen a, a Bond film quite like seeing Life to Kill at the, at the Prince Charles where everyone was just on board and everyone was just, you know, it was a, a brilliant experience. And and to see it, you know, with someone who, had, you know, was part of the stunt team and, and, and to see it with people who are really passionate about that film, a film that I hadn't really was... I hadn't, I hadn't dismissed, but it wasn't really one of my favourites in the series. So I kind of came on board kind of, and, and through everyone's enthusiasm for that film, 
it's it's infectious, you know, and that's what's again, that's what's been great about listening to all the reviews is that, you know, you, you listen to, you know, like Harry was saying that, that that's not my favorite Bond film, but I'm going to listen to those reviews. And it, it, when we hear people talk with such passion about this film, it, it's hard not to be sort of swept away with that. And I think when we saw License to Kill, it felt like that. It was just this brilliant experience, you know, hearing what Paul had to say, and you know, and, and John was such a great, you know. Um, host with yourself tom and it was just it was amazing so yeah yeah license to kill has shot up my my kind of you know my, my list of favorites because of it made me sort of reassess it i don't know if i hadn't i hadn't really sort of dismiss it but i was sort of well you know living daylights is more my kind of bond film and it sort of fits within my kind of what my preconceptions of what a bond film should be but then license to kill is different but it sort of does fit in there like and her majesty's is this again is this outlier i just think it was yeah it was a great experience hello i'm Ilka boshenko from moonraker and you're listening to really double zero seven there's a couple here who've been going to the bond films together it's yvonne and andy curran and when when did you first hear did you just hear about the sort of what we were doing halfway through i can't remember which your first one was the first one we saw was goldfinger Oh, right. Oh, well, you're pretty but, early then, weren't you? But, but we sort of missed a few, and then the next one was, was Moonraker, which I think you, you tweeted about. You put yeah, the, I was like, oh, the picture of the, oh. the, the ticket, and then you, you kindly invited us to sort of chip in with a few, <laughs> a few thoughts. Five minutes, the game to eight. <laughs> <laughs> so we sort of gradually got, got sort of lured, lured in, really. <laughs> and we've enjoyed the whole, the whole experience. It's really. been great, because I've, I've, the first film I ever saw it in was Casino Royale, but I feel like I'd seen all the other films from being on ITV and Bank Holidays and Sundays and things. But then when you show me a few, I'm kind of going, oh, I've not seen this. <laughs> I don't remember this bit. Um, you've, yeah, you've been, a, you've been going through them with me. I've sort of, I've been a modern fan longer. Again, not, not maybe not all my life, but I sort of, I bought the, uh, the, the 50th anniversary Blu-ray and sort of went through that film by film. And I think I listened to every single commentary on that and every single sort of extra feature and learned about Roger Moore talking about Willie Bogner skiing backwards <laughs> and stuff like that. I've gradually sort of yeah. drawn, drawn you. And we of, had a, a list of the ones we would like to see on, on the big screen. So, yeah, we, yeah we'd love, I'd love to have seen more of them. But Moonmaker was stunning. Oh. Yeah, yeah, that... That for me, with the special effect shots and the music, as other people have mentioned, the whole, the whole sort of journey into space thing, just to see that on the big screen. When you consider the age of it, and you you, know, you look at films today with, with CGI that dates sort of badly in 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 some occasions. Um, day another day, um, <laughs> but yeah, that that really stands up so well. Um, and I got to see my my favourite Bond film, which is *View to a Kill*, which people have been mentioning. It's I love it. It's yeah, I like the Roger Moore era. Um, I like the campness, the silliness, but yeah, the music of that one and the locations are stunning. Yeah, that's one that sort of always had a, had a yeah, fond yeah, I've played the soundtrack a lot on that one, isn't it? Yeah. And is it been good watching it as a couple as well? Because I don't know whether many of us have, have had that pleasure because a lot of us are sort of bond widows aren't we We go into the dark corners and try and watch it ourselves but that must have been really interesting for you i think we're quite lucky that we share we share similar tastes sort of across the board we're both sort of big science fiction fans we both like sort of star balls and doctor and things like that so this is the whole thing that we've we've bonded over Sorry, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'll get me <laughs> No, no, no. <laughs> yes. 
So during lockdown, we, we kind of introduced each other to films we hadn't seen. Um, so the Bond stuff was out. Like I thought I'd seen them, but it turns out I hadn't. So yeah, to take turns and to watch them, to discuss them, and being on the podcast mm-hmm. to do this. Yeah. Which is something we've never done, never done before. Uh, it's been a real, real sort of interesting exercise to, as you say, to sort of explain why you like your film or why you don't like your film. Just go, oh no, I don't like that. Yeah, but why don't you like mm. that? What What's your reasons for that? What's the What's the the you know the thinking behind it? It's good to sort of challenge those those expectations. Because there's yeah. a few a few of them where you don't realise there are so many fans who who love them. You know, I, we, even Spectre, <laughs> we thought, here we go, we're only going to get about two people sort of get, give us their opinions on this one because it's just no one really has a, a lot of love for it. They don't absolutely hate it. Like some people really hate Quantum, don't they? And some really love it. But Spectre's just gone into a sort of other than the stepbrother stuff. No one really mentions any of it, so it, it was great to hear different opinions about that film. Which other ones did sort of shone for you guys, Andy and Yvonne? Maybe for, for you, it was maybe the opposite. So I, 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 I went into <laughs> to Goldeneye really sort of really expecting to enjoy it because I, I remember seeing that back in back in '95 when it's been sort of it was almost sort of James Bond getting rebooted, wasn't it? And it was sort of that was seen as a, as a great success. And I was really looking forward to kind of seeing that. And you sort of came out of it not as not as keen, and you sort of I, it's weird. I, t- I took me down a peg Yeah, I, lo- I, I now love the Dalton era. I've never seen those properly, but I think they're stunning. The Pitts Brosnan era, I I think is terrible. <laughs> I probably need to rewatch them again, but I think I was yeah I was the wrong age when they came out, and it, it wasn't on my radar at all. And I think they're dated quite badly. <laughs> I, I still have a soft spot for them, but I think um... I think that you can get away with kind of the sexism and the cheesiness with the Roger Moore era because it's further away. But I think the Bosnian era, I think it's like like the FHM kind of lads mag kind of era. The, the sort of the, the Christmas story. <laughs> These Richards, yeah, <laughs> yeah, some of it's just like and some yeah. Bosnian has to do all the quips all the time, and it's just, just, just calm down a bit, Bosnian. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, that's not really answered your question, has it? You asked which one's short for us, and we can put a doubt on it by going. <laughs> we, cheated, we went to see the ones we wanted to see, so we saw Casino Royale because that's stunning on the big yeah. screen. Skyfall's stunning on the big screen, so it was nice to see those together. I think to see to see Goldfinger on the on the big screen because anyway, that is the quintessential Bond film, isn't it? it it's sort of it's more or less Connery at his peak, John Barry. With the music, you've got Shirley Bassey doing doing the that's still sort of the Bond theme. So I think if there was sort of one Bond movie to to see on the cinema, I'm really glad that I got to see Goldfinger on the uh, on the big no. screen. Well, it's sadly one I missed, and I want to bring in Chris as well here, Chris Schofield, because we've seen quite a few of them. Well, there was a spell where we had quite a few of them together at Berry, because you were going to Accrington, is that right? Um, uh, no, I went to Blackburn. And then I had to drive to Preston, and I've driven to Rochdale, and I've driven to Bury. So I've I've done some miles watching these films <laughs> <laughs> because the the times are all over the shop over here, aren't they? They're sort of like they've they've got them seven o'clock on a Saturday, and it's sort of six o'clock on a Sunday in Preston, and eight o'clock in Rochdale if you want to watch it on a Tuesday night. And yeah, yeah, but yeah, it was very nice to meet you guys. It was fantastic. That was uh, daylight, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was a big crowd for that, wasn't it? It was massive. Yeah, there was a lot of people there. We, 
I brought my nephew to watch that. Who oh, yeah, yeah. brainwashed into uh, being a big Timothy Dalton fan because that's the way he should go. I watched The Daylights, but it's the first film I saw at the cinema when I was uh, 13. So to watch that again, that was just uh, amazing. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think. Well, you, you haven't been to some of them for quite a while. I'm, I'm, I'm worried, Chris. You're not a fan of the no. Rosalind here. And the... No, um, no I, I watched GoldenEye, and then unfortunately... Just a lot of work commitments and family stuff is just going. All right, okay. I thought, well, I've I've been watching them on DVD at home, but I didn't want to put. Um, I felt that I was cheating by putting a um, contribution on the no. podcast because I had not watched it at the cinema. Because I've, I've enjoyed, I've really enjoyed listening to everybody's uh, contributions, and I might just have to say, Darren, your uh, your Living Daylights one. I repeatedly played that to about fifteen people. <laughs> And how many of them 15 people still speak to you? Um, <laughs> I think some of the family members might talk to me again. But having watched everything from Daylight onwards at the cinema, Licence to Kill, obviously I watched that, I managed to watch that twice when I was 15, and that's my out-and-out favourite film, hands down. Um, and then when I had a bit more brass in my pocket, I could afford, afford to go and watch the other films repeatedly as you got older and you're working and stuff. And so I've seen all the Bond films numerous times at the cinema going on. So I were wanting to concentrate more on the older ones, and I just thought that this opportunity was just unbelievable. The only downside is living near Burnley means that you've got to drive 30 miles to your nearest cinema to, to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> it feels more like a journey, though, Chris. It, is, well, it, it feels has, even it's, more special. It, it's, it's been more of a pilgrimage. Yeah. Um, well, it has in a way, hasn't it? Yeah, um, Doctor No was the first best thing about it was because I got to go and watch it on my birthday, oh. um, and that was just awesome. You know, apart from putting everybody else's nose out of joint by what you're doing, and it's like, yeah, I'm going to pictures on my own. <laughs> it, it's, it, but it's just been a delight leading up to these. Some of these films, unfortunately, I've missed Thunderball and I missed Goldfinger, which I was probably good to about. And then the two that I really wanted to watch was uh, Fear Eyes Only and Octopussy, but unfortunately I had COVID. And I was just gutted about that because, like previous comments about some of the films like Man with a Golden Gun and Moonraker, suddenly have a different kind of level of appreciation when you're watching it on this massive cinema screen. And it, it, it sometimes feels like you're watching a completely different film that you've been watching for weeks at home on ITV2 or on your DVDs and stuff. Moonraker just looked incredible. I, just, I couldn't get over how amazing that film looked when I came out of the pictures. And going back to a comment that I think Stephen made, there was a young lad sat next to me when I went to watch View to a Kill. We were talking about No Time to Die afterwards. And he said, the reason he, people go to go to watch James Bond films is to come away feeling brilliant and having had a great time. And I really hope the Broccoli take that up again when they come to it, eventually put in a new Bond film out, make one that makes everybody happy when you come out of it. Gosh, I couldn't agree more, Chris. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> well, <laughs> claps, everyone. Right, Gary, we must go to Gary, who is patiently waiting under his Four Eyes Only poster. He's be- you, Gary, you've, how many have you watched then? I've watched things 19 out of 25. Oh, wow. Brilliant. Um, at the beginning of the run, it was just a Prince Charles cinema in London showing them. So I was going up on the train for, um, I, I had it in mind. I, the first Bond film I ever saw was Fear Eyes Only on Betamax video back in the early 80s. For various reasons, I didn't get to go and see 
Bond film on the big screen until Never Seen Ever Again, oh. and then You Took Hill. And then I saw all of them there afterwards, completely hooked on them. And I can remember seeing the uh, the teaser trailer for Living Daylights, the um, first time of seeing a brand new Bond being introduced to cinema screens and the thrill of that. And it was pretty much the beginning bit with the, the woman saying, who are you? Um, and he parachutes down onto the boat. Oh. And um, that was such a big deal. And then there were just little snippets of stuff that you saw afterwards. You didn't really get a great idea as to what the film was going to be about. And then I remember seeing license to kill on the big screen having loved living daylights and think coming out the cinema very similar to a lot of people's reactions with no time to die feeling quite shell-shocked what what is it i've just seen it's very different from all of the connery bonds or the roger moore bonds or even the living daylights in tone and the whole feel of it and um my, my thoughts on that didn't change until the mid 90s and um i read a book and someone was really an American writer was really singing the praises of uh, License to Kill, and I started to go back and rewatch it with a completely different viewpoint on it. Um, so going into the cinema screenings at the beginning of the year, for me, the ones I really, really wanted to see were as many of the Connery ones and the Roger Moore ones that I hadn't seen on the big screen as possible, uh, particularly things like Moonraker and Thunderball, which are scope films, and so therefore... They should look amazing on the big screen. And I remember when I went to see Dr. No and being very, very impressed with the 4K restoration for it and seeing detail in the background of the Jamaica scenes, for example, oh, yeah. the set designs, the incredible set designs in um, the lair of Dr. No and how the amount of detail there. And um, even though they're on a relatively tight budget back then, uh, unfortunately, I missed seeing From Russia With Love on the big screen, but I remember seeing Goldfinger and just seeing those larger-than-life characters on the big screen at last. It just um, exaggerated everything, and it was just um, so great to finally go and see them. It was um, a bucket list dream come true, quite frankly. And then one got to see Thunderball, it just gives you an idea as to what it must have been like back in the 60s when that cinema screen opened up and you had the full width of the screen being filled up with that imagery of the, uh, the jet pack at the beginning and the underwater sequences, which people often deride on Twitter. And they look so much better when you see them on the big screen. Going to see You Only Live Twice, which of the Connery films, I'll be honest, it was the one that I was least looking forward to even though when I was much younger it was my favorite Connery film for a long time and um, then Gold, Goldfinger replaced it and uh, many of the other ones but um, to see You Only Live Twice on the big screen those incredible Ken Adams sets and the, uh, the interior of the volcano and the the monorail going around which I think someone in the chat's mentioned that really is how you do a climax to a Bond film and to see that on the big screen at long last um, just blew me away. It was just one great set piece after another in that film. And uh, the pace of it just didn't flag at all. So, yeah, absolutely love seeing that on the big screen. But the ones that surprised me uh, that I enjoyed and had the most fun with, I think, were probably Diamonds Are Forever, where the audience just seemed to have great fun. 
laughing all the way through. I, I expected it to be the case with the Spy Love Me, and it didn't disappoint. And the, the audience was huge for the Spy Love Me in the, the screening in Bath that I went to. I also saw it actually in London a couple of months beforehand, and it was just great seeing that with the audience auditorium full of Bond fans that were laughing in all the places that you laugh at when you're watching it at home. I'd never seen Moonraker, and that was one of the ones I really wanted to see on the big screen. And to have seen that twice this year and see that skydiving sequence at the beginning on the big screen was just incredible. Um, just absolutely loved that. And to hear that John Barry soundtrack as well being played through the cinema sound system. One of the ones I wasn't so bothered about, which I'd seen on its original run, was Tomorrow Never Dies. I thought, well, well everybody on Twitter keeps saying how much they enjoy it. And I've never really got it at all, that film. And I went to see it on the big screen in Bath. I think I had a smile on my face from the absolute beginning to the end of that film because I was so disappointed by a little bit of Eric Serra's score in Golden Goldeneye. I thought some of that just ruined the film for me and just took me out of it, which isn't what a score should do. Chris will be allowed to reply to that. Although. Well, just Carry from, on, from, then, yeah. from the, from the, <laughs> the absolute beginning of um, uh, Tomorrow Never Dies to the end, I just absolutely lapped up uh, David Arnold's score. It was just such a wonderful tribute to John Barry, I thought. And um, that gun barrel sequence, the music, um, his uh, arrangement of the Bond theme for that, you can understand why people um, just keep saying how great that gun barrel sequence is because it is incredibly well done just yeah I just love um, watching that on the big screen and Casino Royale as well didn't disappoint seeing that again um, and as did Sky Skyfall was great to see again as well but uh, it's just really a great year to be able to see those classic films that you didn't get to see so for me to fill in the gaps the only the only um, film I've not seen now on the big screen of the Bonds is um from Russia of Love, so I'd like to see that at some point, if possible. Well, that'll be 50 years old, sorry, 60 years old, won't it, next year? So let's hope they do a, a screening of that. Yeah, fingers crossed, yeah, absolutely. Brilliant, brilliant effort, Gary, and thank you for your contributions, and it was great to meet you in London as well. No, well, thank you for uh, you and, and for John of the Giant uh, Stunts for organising that. That was a, a great afternoon, and uh, thanks for putting it out as well on uh, YouTube so that we can relive that afternoon watching the interview. It's great with Paul yeah. Weston. Well, we're all we're all just normal people, we're all just fans, and we, we can't <laughs> believe it. You, you're here with Paul Weston, and then Robert Darwin, John Glenn as well, Anthony Stark. It's just been a joke. Hello there. This is Thomas Wheatley, or I should say Saunders, Section B, Vienna. Now, you're listening to really 007. Sorry, Bond. Section 26, paragraph 5. That information is on a need-to-know basis only. I'm sure you understand. Sai, I've got to bring you in. Uh, that guy, Sai. Hi there, well, how are we doing? <laughs> we're good. What's it been like in Scotland? Have, have people been going their droves to the cinema to watch Bond? I was surprised by the turnout, if I'm honest. Um, when the run first started of the ones that I've seen, it was maybe half full, but um, the time you got to the Dalton films, um, I would more or less say cinema was full. Certainly when I got to the Brosnan films, I didn't see an empty seat. 
uh, at that. But it was just good to see people turn around to come and see them. You know, uh, you'd said that they were coinciding on a Saturday night being on mainstream television, but it was still good to see people wanting to come and see them at the cinema, myself included. And I think a lot of us who were going to see them were starting to recognise regulars uh, who were showing up to to most of the show ends at that. So. It's been good to, to have you on um, a couple of episodes now, so si, as well, mm. and get to know you. You took your mum to one, didn't you? Well, I took my partner. I kind of asked her, not thinking it would be her scene if she wanted to go to them, uh, to some of them anyway. And she joined me for Dr. No and On Her Majesty's. And then I took her to the Daltons and a, a couple of the Brosnans. But I wanted to take my mum to couple of the Roger films got her favourite and I took my mum my niece and my nephew to The World Is Not Enough because it was the first one that I seen and I wanted to make that the last one that I seen on this run and I also wanted to show the kids that um, Bond isn't meant to be turned into fertiliser at the end of the film because uh, <laughs> that, that was it that was their last memory of seeing them at no time to good lad sorry yeah. So I thought I'd just take them to see the world's not enough. David Arnold's score, a uh, bit of prose, kind of go wrong. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, John can't make it tonight, but he would have been banging the drum for the world is not enough. But that is, mm. that's one of your, well, one of your favourites, is it? Yes, certainly when it comes to the Brosnan films, uh, I was absolutely blown away by Tomorrow Never Dies at the cinema. I could not believe how much I enjoyed it. Um, I remember when the gun barrel came up, I, I like fist pumped. I was like, yeah, this is yeah. it. <laughs> so, so I felt like I'd been waiting my whole life to see it. Because um, I'd never seen Golden Eye or Tomorrow Never Dies on the first time round. I was just too young, um, and I just I just couldn't believe it. it was the the sound. I don't know what it was about the sound in that particular film. It was the same cinema that I went to, uh, but I was just like, "What this David Arnold score?" I just totally enhanced the film even more. Uh, I love the film anyway, but it just just got even better. I was just totally was like, in awe at the end of seeing that, but. My partner was really taken by the Dalton films, uh, which yes. I hold in right high regard. Because when I said to her, oh, she asked, what one is it this week? And I told her, I was like, oh, who's in that one? Is, is it like Timothy Dalton? She's like, oh. Uh, right. she didn't, I don't think she'd seen a full Dalton film at that point. And then when she'd seen his two, she was like, God, he was really, really good, wasn't he? It's like, yeah, so he is really, really good. Um, he should have got more uh, out of it. But um, I think she got a lot out of it. She really enjoyed it. Because when you're in the picture in cinema, there's no, oh, there shouldn't be any distractions. You get to take it all in. You get to pick up things with the dialogue, the plot points, the location. Um, but it was just a total delight to see. I wish I'd seen Thunderball. I didn't get to see that. I really wanted to see that one. I thought that would have been... Uh, superb uh, to see but one that re- I really enjoyed on the big screen was for your eyes only that was so good yeah those action scenes of John Glenn really translated well on the big screen you know all the ski scenes with the bikes and yeah they don't get much like mentioned do they no they, they don't they don't get enough credit and it's seriously good stunt work and that's it's not mentioned enough uh, I know that the lovers of for your eyes only are, are aware of it but I don't think it gets enough credit about the action in that film but yeah I'm just so glad they finally got re-released. We got to see them, but I didn't get to see A View to a Kill. I was a bit disappointed because they've been shown court cases at cinemas in Scotland because of COVID. And that was the only one of the entire run uh, that said they wouldn't be shown. I was on jury duty earlier in the year, so it wasn't a make-up story. They were using certain cinema screens, to, and yet it was like a big Zoom call on the cinema screen. It's quite surreal. But yeah, I was a bit disappointed not to see A View to a Kill. That was the one that that no, no, was a bit sad about. So. Superb, sorry. Brilliant. You mentioned the world is not enough, Matt. Can you mm. remember, Matt, 
Did we watch The World Is Not Enough? Uh, sorry, I didn't see it, but I'm just w- just wondering who, who out of our really double F7 guys watched it. I watched it with Betty and Sam. Were you there for that one? Yeah, Sam had um, Yeah, uh, yeah. Tuesday night at Trafford Centre. Yeah, yeah. I thought that might be one that, you know, we'd, we'd all be there for, or certainly John. <laughs> no, it was, just, it was just the three of us, but obviously it was brilliant. I mean, I, d- I did feel like I was crashing a date a little bit. But, uh, <laughs> oh, no, don't worry. Don't worry. But Betty, I- was cr- Betty was crashing the date, so. No, no that, that is it. I mean, I was like, she's watching this and she's not watching Dine of a Day next week. I'm like, what's, yeah. going, what's going on here? <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've had you- words. Your face, though, Sam, throughout Dine of the Day was was a picture. The sneers and <laughs> that tut-tuts. And I mean, it wasn't my face at Quantum, I'll say that. So, I mean, Dine of a Day at least makes me laugh and smile. <laughs> So. That's all for part one of our discussion of Bond on the big screen, but stay tuned for part two, where we go into all things James Bond on this, the 60th anniversary. Who are you? My name is Pussy Galore. I must be dreaming. Really, Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.